things that bump in the night. Things that creep us out. Voices from another realm. The figures that move out of the corner of your eye. That odd light in the sky. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It Came From Amity. Across from me, as always, is Noah Weddle. Your gracious <laughs> co-host. <laughs> Today, we're going to London. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a British accent most of the show because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> um, but we were just talking before this started. A lot of British people are terrible at their own accents. <laughs> uh, I've, the new age, yeah, I. it's... Uh, Language evolves. It does. Like, Not always for the better, though. Accents evolve just like life forms, right? Mm-hmm. True. Language is living communication. Yeah. So. It's weird because it's like old Bostonian accents Yeah. compared to new Bostonian accents. Mm-hmm. There's a major difference Oh, there. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, this is not a language podcast. <laughs> This is a true crime podcast. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, another true crime episode. Um, We're on a kick <clears throat> lately. True crime kick. Yeah, it has been recently. Yeah. But uh, but you guys like it, so yeah, we so, like talking about it. Yeah, so we'll keep doing them. Yeah. So this uh, this week we're talking about Jack the Ripper, um, and the murders associated to, with him. We're going to talk about. Um, the possible suspects. We're going to go over the letters he sent to the police, supposedly that were well that were signed supposedly by him. Uh, there's theories that those letters weren't really from him, but there's a lot of supports that those letters were actually from him. He was around before they actually classified serial killers. Yeah, yeah, and he was like the first known chain killer to like taunt the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he yeah he was like your true. OG. <laughs> like, psycho thriller type, you know. Yeah. Uh, he kind of really set the the stage for everybody else like as far. I'm, I'm sure that there were serial killers before him, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh, yeah. They've been around us since caveman days. Mm-hmm. But in London, or what was it, London? Mm-hmm. Yep. In, the, in that time period, the media, the news press was around, so it made it more prevalent. It was faster to hear about him and oh, to yeah. spread the news. Yeah, the so. yeah the London newspapers and the English newspapers in general were real, you know, busy trying to to try to you know get with the police and try to figure yeah. out you know you know get you know they they even printed out the uh, printed letters from Jack the Ripper in the papers. It's and, one of the first cases where they the media actually started to help the police like that. Yeah, so and it's very interesting. And of course, you know, with that type of stuff, it actually even spread fear throughout. London and got to get those ratings. So it, and there's a lot of stuff, and we we'll try to go over this, and we'll try to give you guys the condensed version. This is a huge case with a lot of stuff, yeah. And we're gonna try to, like Casey just said, we're gonna condense it. We're gonna miss things. We're gonna miss details. That's just how it is. Yeah, and we can't hit everything. I mean, we if we tried to hit all of the 
bullet points, we'd be doing this for three or four episodes. Yeah, we could talk for like three days straight on it. So so we'll try to do the condensed Campbell Super version, and we'll get through that as best we can. The Reader's Digest version. There you go. So, Jack the Ripper. He was an unidentified serial killer, and he was active in the Whitechapel area of London. There's uh, a metal band named Whitechapel, there and they're rad. Yeah. They're heavy. They are. I've listened to a couple of theirs. Yeah. Anyway. But, um, so he basically hit the Whitechapel area in like the eight, eight, year of 1888 was the first one. And I think it lasted until like 1891. Um, so it wasn't that long of a spree no. compared to like Ted Bundy or BTK or whatever. Right. And the, and there's, there was five murders that are directly related to Jack the Ripper and they all took place in the same year. And there are other murders that happened after that, that although they can't be directly connected to him, uh, some people theorize that they were his. He just yeah. had to change stuff up because of you know, people being more alert. This um, is back when they didn't really do, they did autopsies, but not like today. Right. It was more like, hey, she's got a cut on her throat. So does she. They're probably tied. Yeah, they would. Right. There was like some. Like they 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 use like doctors, like actual like medical yeah. doctors to conduct these examinations, these autopsies, and they usually just look for, you know, if something was missing, they'd look for the bullet wound, stab wound, stuff like that. They, they would obviously look for, didn't have DNA or fingerprints right. though, or anything um, like that. Yeah, just general like tissue bruising and stuff yeah. like that to help give them a clue. But as far as like, you know, and they could actually test for some poisons. Yeah. Um, based on how, like, if we drew um, fluid and it would react to this other chemical, then we know it's this poison. Could they Could they look at, like, stomach contents? I think they could sometimes. At that point, all you have to do is cut them open. Yeah, and just take it out. Take it out. So, um, so if yeah. The, if I ever died like that, and they, they would not like what they found in my stomach. <laughs> They'd be like, what was this guy? How was he alive? What did he eat? They're like, how, yeah, they're like, how is he, st- how is he still breathing? Oh my gosh. So, uh, the London media also gave him the names of the Whitechapel murderer, as generic as that sounds, and the name Leather Apron, and we'll get into why Leather Apron comes up. Um, it kind of sounds like a Texas chainsaw thing. It, it kind of does. See, he wasn't a slasher, he was very sophisticated in his killing. Yeah, there was a method to how he would do it. Yeah, but, he was almost surgical, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll talk about that. But right, and uh, yeah, there was there was some well, there was a lot of precision. Yeah. Um. So the 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 con the canonical five that we know for a fact are tied to Jack the Ripper, all involved female prostitutes who lived and worked in the slums at the East End of London. Their throats were cut, and then after they were dead. He would uh, mutilate their abdominal section. He would cut them open. Um, take their uterus out. Take uteruses. He took, I think in one, uh, he took uh, liver, and I think another, he took a kidney. It's almost like he was collecting parts to build, like, a Franken-wife. Uh, he would right? and then he would also take their entrails, and a lot of times he would drape his their entrails of, of his victim over their left shoulder. Yeah. It was really uh, bizarre. It's very morbid, but... It wasn't done in the way he did it was almost I'm gonna sound weird for saying this, but artful. Yeah. He did it in like a really 
kind of uh, artful way where it's like you see like that painting, you're like, I don't know what that means. Right. It, it looks cool, but it's grotesque at the same time. Does it make sense? That's kind of how he did it. Um, he wasn't just Jason. He wasn't just ripping people apart and right. throwing their guts on the wall. Yeah, he, you know? uh, I mean the meth. I mean he had a very precise method for how he killed his victims yeah. and how he proceeded after. It was almost like fine cuisine. He would like dress the plate up and leave it for you. Right. Leave it for the cops. Right. To where it was. Oh, this looks nice. And they and they always and that's how they. I mean, it was basically his calling card. That's how they. Oh, well, this had to be another ripper killing. Yeah. He was like a surgeon with OCD or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he had. I mean, yeah, he would. For, I mean, I think the FBI actually did a profile on Jack the Ripper. Um, at one, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it being the in this uh, article here, but um, I do remember they did it. They did a profile trying so to figure it out. Some kind of mental issue like that. Mental issues. They tried to see, you know, maybe okay, what kind of profession did he have? Can we tie this to anyone in the area? Yeah. Um. So, basically, um, he out of three of the victims uh, that he removed the internal organs, the proposals that the proposals that their killer had some anatomical or surgical knowledge. So, there for a while, they believed that either he was a butcher or he was a doctor. Doctor makes more sense. I mean, there was all kinds of theories. Yeah. Um, and one doctor that actually examined one of the or two of the victims came back and said. No, I don't believe he has any medical experience at all. He could have just been a fanboy. But, I mean, he had to have some knowledge because he was removing precise organs and making precise cuts. He could have been, did they embalm people back then? Um, they did, but it was a very, it wasn't like it is now. See, he could have been like a funeral, what do they call him, a mortician or something. Could have been. Yeah. Um, so. Did you know that's actually... I, I remember I remember hearing that he was the inspiration for The Undertaker. Like one of the inspirations they got for his character. Oh, really? Was, was Jack the Ripper. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm. I never heard that. Yeah. Um, did you know the guy that was Paul Bear was an actual mortician? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of neat. And like a youth leader. He was like yeah. a church youth leader. It's really weird. And his, one of his sons is still running the business down in Texas. His son looks... Just like him. Yes, he does. He's very, it's very unfortunate. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, the old days. My undertaker. <laughs> so rumors that the murders were connected intensified in September and October of 1888, and numerous letters were received by media outlets and Scott and Liard from individuals purporting to be the murderer. The name Jack the Ripper actually originated in a letter written by an individual claiming to be the murderer that was disseminated in the media. The letter is widely believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists in an attempt to heighten interest in the story and increase their newspapers' circulation. Now, so, you, so they're thinking that one of the reporters faked the letter. Yeah, but the issue with with that that's risky is what that, that right that's risky because if you get caught, you're completely discredited. Yeah, and the other thing is is that in the letters that we know are tied to the Ripper have details of the case that only the Ripper would have known. Yeah, and the reporter wouldn't have known them. Right. So the one of the the, the famous letter that really brought the uh, Jack the Ripper into the limelight was the From Hell letter. Ooh, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp. Uh, that letter was received by George Lusk of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee. 
And Wait, can, did you say George Lutz? Lusk. I just imagine like Dave Lutz, oh. like lineage, <laughs> like right. 150 years ago, his great, 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 great grandpa. Yep. <laughs> and what's interesting about the From Hell letter is it actually came with half of a preserved human kidney purportedly taken from one of the victims. The public came huh. increasingly uh, to believe in a single serial killer known as Jack the Ripper, maybe because of both the extraordinary brutal nature of the murders and media coverage of the crimes. Um, and we'll go over the letters um, <clears throat> here in a short bit. So uh, so the police investigated a total of 11 brutal murders committed in Whitechapel and Spitalfields uh, area between 1888 and 1891, but they were unable to connect all the murders of the 1888 murders which were the five canonical victims, and they're also known so as So basically what you're saying body. is there are five that are definitely Jack the Ripper. Right. And then there are other ones who are maybe Jack the Ripper. Maybe. Yeah. And, but there's certain things about those other six yeah. killings that they go, well, those don't look like necessarily all of his handiwork. So it's like it's a good chance it's Jack the Ripper, but he messed up or he got in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Because he would pull, like... He would grab a hooker. I hate, I hate to say the term hooker, but that's what they call him. And he would pull her into the alley and do it and then leave her there on the sidewalk. Typically. Sometimes, you know, he might be up to it. Somebody would come walking down the street. He has to run down the alley and leave, right. get in a hurry. And he leaves that carcass, you know, halfway finished. Right. That could be the other murders. Botched. Yeah, yeah there say. was, yeah, one, I think one of the victims. And I can't remember which one it is, and I'm sure I think it might have been it might have been Catherine Eddowes, but we'll we'll see here in a little bit. Was actually found dead in her own sleeping room. Were so, all of them prostitutes? All of them were prostitutes or connected to being prostitutes or suspected of being. Okay. So the five the 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 canonical five, their names were Marion Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. And their murders happened between, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, August 31st and November 9th of 1888. And that's a three-month period, four-month. Yeah. So, I mean, five and four months. I mean, that's a pretty good strike. Yeah. Um, but um, none of the cases were solved, and they were all linked because of the way that they were, they were, they were killed and the mutilations after. Um, of course, there's massive legends and lore surrounding Jack the Ripper. I mean, after everything happened, and then all of a sudden he just stopped. So The some, whole thing about taking a body part out like that, so surgically, and with every victim, it's not like he's got a fetish for, like, livers, right? Like, it's not like he's taking a liver out of every one of them because he likes the way the liver looks. Right. He's taking a different body part out of every one of them. It's almost like it is him just taunting, almost yeah. like a game. And and he, I mean, he sent them body like pieces apart, so it's like yeah. he was keeping other pieces as uh, souvenirs. Yeah. In, in my in my viewpoint, or it could have just been purely taunting and fun with the cops. I mean, it could have been that too. He right. might not have had any kind of fetish or any kind of, um, you know, want of the body parts. Right. He just did it for, like a bully, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, it says here that, um, so his MO or his modus operandi was he would slash, uh, deep slash throats to, um, yeah, deep slash, uh, wounds to the throat. Yep. In one case, 
uh, they said that um, one woman's head was just barely connected. So like I mean, OJ, oh, Nicole Brown. I mean, that's how brutal barely. it was. So then he would mutilate the abdominal region and sometimes the genital region of the victim, removing total organs. And then um, there was uh, progressively worse uh, facial mutilations as he went. And um, in, in the first two cases, so with um, M. Elizabeth Smith, well, take that back. These two women here are not part of the Neconical Five, but the first two cases of murder were, were, were regarded women sex workers uh, who were loosely tied to... Don't say loosely in the same sentence with sex worker. Is what it is, Come Noah. On. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, their names were Emma Elizabeth Smith and Martha Tabram. Now, they their modes... Um, they're, they, they're not connected because they cannot look at both of them, and, uh, both those women, and say, okay, what happened to these women were the same as the Canonical Five because some of the way that they were mutilated were different. Yeah, something's different. So they're actually connected to just general gang violence in the East End of London at that time. And there were rampant street yeah. gangs at that time. Although, although it could have been him. It could have been. But, yeah. So Smith was robbed and sexually assaulted, and, and this is part of the re- and that is also another reason why is that Smith was actually robbed, okay. where none of the other victims were. Yeah, he had no financial, uh, you know. Right. You know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't robbing them. Right, and so that happened at approximately one thirty a.m. on April the third of eighteen eighty eight. She was bludgeoned about the face, and her had, had a cut to her, one of her ears. She also had a blunt object inserted into her vagina which ruptured her peritoneum. Uh, she also developed per, uh, peritonitis and died the following day at London Hospital. Um, Smith stated, and this is another reason why it wasn't connected, is because she described she was attacked by two or three men, one of whom she described as a teenager. Um, and that attack was generally, at first when it was reported... So these being women gangly. lived, like, well, one of them lived. Well, yeah, Smith lived. Uh, Tabram, she was murdered on a staircase landing in George Yard, um in Whitechapel on August the 7th. So it was hers was like maybe a week or two before the canonical five started. I mean, you got to keep in mind too, this is a time period, just like the wild, wild West. Mm-hmm. People yes. were animals back then. Yeah, I mean, cause in the, the in, law could not keep up. And in the East end of London at very, that time, very poor, very poor. Um, if you look at like, like if you were to read the old Sherlock Holmes tales, I mean, it gives very bleak descriptions of London and England at the time. Every night was just a drug and drank fuel mm-hmm. frat party. And it was just, know? there was murders all the time. With People, no law. Yeah, because, I mean, and especially like in the slums, there was not a massive police presence in the East End. Yeah. So, you know, you could basically do whatever you wanted. And, of course, back then, the forensics wasn't really there. So And people didn't take the police seriously because no. it's like, what are you going to do? And if you were You're a, outnumbered. And if you weren't a decently funded street gang you could buy cops off it's like peaky blinders kind of yeah they run the city yeah you know so i mean in the east end i mean it wasn't a place to live i mean there were no jobs poverty was uh, was uh well above the national average for for england at the time yeah it's um, not a good time period a no. good place to be victorian england you might have some romanticism attached to it but it's also a very bleak period yeah in london england especially east end. there so with with uh, Tabram, she had thirty nine uh, stab wounds to the throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, and abdomen. 
with additional knife wounds inflicted to her breast and vagina. All but one of Tabor's wounds had been inflicted with a bladed instrument such as a pen knife. With one possible exception, all the wounds had been inflicted by the right-handed individual. Tabram had not been raped. The savagery of this murder, the lack of an obvious motive, and the closeness of the location and date to the later canonical Ripper murders led police to link this murder to those later committed by Jack the Ripper. However, this murder differs from the later canonical murders because although Tabram had been repeatedly stabbed, she had not suffered any slash wounds to her throat or abdomen. Because she was stabbed, but she was not slashed. And none of her he wounds were moved. He wasn't frantic either. He, he didn't just jab and jab away. Right. He was very planned. And that's why most experts don't connect them. Yeah. So, the canonical five, to rehash it, Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jean Kelly. So, we're going to go through the canonical five real quick. That's, like, Jack the Ripper is not even a name that suits him because of how precise he was. He wasn't a ripper, <laughs> you know? I think that's just a term, just because it sounds scary. But, if anything, it could be Jack the Surgeon, right? right? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, his... Yeah, because his method was very methodical. Yeah. So the first victim was Marianne Nichols. Her body was discovered at 3.40 in the morning on Friday, 30, uh, on a Friday. It was August 31st, 1888 in Bucks Row, and it's now called Durward Street in Whitechapel. She had been alive at least one hour before discovery of his body as Mrs. Emily Holland, with whom she had previously shared a bed at a common lodging house on Thrall Street, Spitafields, walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road. Her throat was severed by two deep cuts, one of which completely severed all the tissue down to the vertebrae. Her vagina had been stabbed twice, and the lower part of her abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep, jagged wound, causing her bowels to protrude. Several other incisions afflicted both sides of her abdomen had also been caused by the same knife. Each of these wounds had been inflicted in a downward-thrusting manner. They were literally right on his trail, because I remember watching some TV show or something about this, where they discovered her body, you know, like you said, less than an hour after it happened, they literally, if this was modern time, they could have blocked off the intersections and stuff and found him fleeing mm-hmm. at that point. But, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, it was that close. And Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, almost all the murders, at least with the Canonical Five, they suspected, because of people seeing the victims almost uh-huh. prior to the death, they go, well, this guy just struck. So he was always just in looking sight. in the corners. Yeah. Yes. Or, yeah. Hiding in an alleyway. Um, you just happen to walk by alone and he snatches you. Exactly. So one week later, on a Saturday, September 8th, 1888, the body of Annie Chapman was discovered at approximately 6 a.m. near the steps of the doorway of the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street, Spitafields. As in the case of Marion Nichols, the throat was severed by two deep cuts. Her abdomen had been cut entirely open with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder and another section of flesh and skin plus her small intestines being removed and placed above her right shoulder. Gosh. Chapman's autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. At the inquest of Chapman's murder, Elizabeth Long described seeing Chapman standing outside 29 Hanbury Street at about 5.30 a.m. So think about that. So this woman saw uh, Chapman at 5.30. Her body was discovered at 6 a.m., a half hour later. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy worked fast. People, the streets were, you know, busy constantly, too. Mm-hmm. People were always on the streets. Yeah. So, and he did it right there where he could have been seen at any second. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that he was able to do all this as fast as he did. Yeah. 
I think shows skill and some level of expertise. Yeah. It's almost superhuman. I agree. No nerves. I mean, think about how nervous you would be, shaky hands, your adrenaline's going, mm-hmm. and he's just very even, very calm. Oh, yeah. And Elizabeth Long also said she had seen him in the or her in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown deerstalker hat, dark overcoat, and a shabby genteel appearance. Although, according to this eyewitness, the man had asked Chapman the question, will you? To which Chapman had replied, yes. So... Will you have sex with me? Is that basically? I think I think so. Yeah. The more you study and hear about him and his methods, the more truly terrifying he really is. There, to me... Because he, he's kind of a comic book villain. A little bit. But when you really get the you get into this stuff, it's like, dude, this guy is... He's scary. Well, I know in the profile that they made, one of the things they came up with, and it was, it's an obvious one, I mean, it can't be ignored, is he has an obvious hatred for sex workers. Yeah, or women in general. Yeah, I mean, it could just be women in general, but... Mommy issues. I feel that if it was women in general, he wouldn't be targeting sex workers outright. Well, it's because they're easy. It's, it's, It's why they're still targeted today. True. It's why, you know, in the 80s, serial killers targeted them. True. They're easy. True. They're on the street. Nobody's gonna miss them when they're gone. As mean as that sounds, it's not meant to be mean, but nobody knows. The cops... Especially, you know, back then they didn't care. Right. Oh, another prostitute. Cool. And it's that's basically how they saw it. So on it's just like when uh you know, a homeless person gets murdered right. back then. They they don't put as much work into it as if, you know, the mayor's daughter got murdered, basically. Right. If they put any work into it at all. That's true. So, so you have Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. Now, those are uh, victims three and four of the canonical five. They were both discovered in the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th, 1888. So, same day. Stride's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m. in Dutfield's yard off Burner Street, now Henrik Street, in Whitechapel. The cause of death was a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, which had severed her left carotid artery and her trachea before terminating beneath the right jaw. The absence of any further mutilations to her body was led to uncertainty as whether Stride's murder was committed by the Ripper or whether he was interrupted during the attack. Sounds like he was interrupted. That's what I think. Um, several witnesses later informed police they had been seen Stride in the company of a man in or close to Burner Street on the evening of 29 September, and in early hours of 30 September. The fact that he was not interrupted more often is weird, too. Right. You know? It's like he would... I mean, his timing was impeccable. He was so good. Now, and those um, witnesses who gave uh, information about Stride, there was different descriptions. Some said her companion was fair, others dark. Some said he was shabbily dressed, others said he was well-dressed. Edo's body was found in Meter Square in the city of London, three quarters of an hour after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Stride. Her throat was severed and her abdomen ripped open by a long, deep, and jagged wound before intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. Left kidney and the major part of the uterus had been removed, and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed, her cheeks slashed, and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half, and introspectively, vertically incised through each of her eyelids. I mean, dude, it's as, gr- it's as grotesque as the Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when you if you were to look at police reports 
and they took photos of some of the victims. Yeah. That these are brutal, vicious, gory. Yeah. Murders. Um, but they're not hack and slash. No, they're not just know? random moves. I mean, yeah. they're, they're they're purposeful. They're gory, but they're not uh, sloppy. Right. A triangular incision, the apex of which pointed towards Edo's eye, had also been carved upon each of her cheeks. And a section of the oracle and lobe of her right ear was later recovered from her clothing. The police surgeon who conducted the postmortem upon Edo's body stated his opinion these mutilations would have at least taken five minutes to complete. He's like a freaking David Lynch character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's, the, what, that's what he is. The local cigarette salesman named Joseph L- Lawland had passed Joseph his... Joseph Marlboro. Yeah, it's L-A-W-E-N-D. Joseph Camel. <laughs> Winchester. Joe Camel. Oh, yeah. I did... You didn't put it together. Right over my head, That's dude. all right. I was like, yeah, okay. Camel? Oh, what? Yeah, I was... Did you know they got what got Camel in trouble? Hmm. Why Joe Camel's not around anymore? They started making kid cup tumblers with Joe Camel on it. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. And then the courts were like, um, yeah, you need to kill off Joe Camel now. <laughs> yeah, because that's obvious targeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so messed up, dude. Idiots. Anyway. So this guy had said that he saw... Uh, he had passed his square with two friends shortly before the murder, and he described seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been Edo's. Lawn's companions were able to confirm his description. The murders of Stride and Edo's ultimately became known as the double event. A section of Edo's bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a tenement in Golston Street, Whitechapel, at 2.55 a.m. A chalk inscription upon the wall directly above this place, piece of apron read, the, the Jews of the men will not be blamed for nothing. What? Yeah, basically... That he, went races fast. Right. It's all around 3 o'clock, too, 3 a.m. And and it's odd, because like, it's the only form of graffiti that was found that ever put blame upon the Jews. What did for, it say again? The Jews of the The men? Jews are the men that okay. will not be blamed for nothing. Okay. Now, at this time... <clears throat> in the late 1800s so he, used three, he used two double negatives there the jews are the men that will not be blamed will not for nothing not be blamed for nothing so basically the jews are the men that will be blamed for everything pretty much is what it what it meant most likely that's um, weird and and i mean it's something to remember that in the late 1880s all I mean all the way into i mean even current day um, anti-semitism in europe is a very common theme. Yeah. A very common theme. I mean, it could have been sympathetic, though. Because if he's saying the Jews will be blamed for everything, it, it almost sounds like, hey, why are, you know, I'm Jewish. Why are we always the target? Right. Now, you know? here's the thing, too, is that no one can, contact, can connect the graffiti to the drop of the, to the apron shard. That yeah, they found. it could have just been there. It could have already been there. Yeah, um, graffiti's not an uncommon thing, and and especially that territory. Right. And yeah, and but some people say, well, that's just too coincidental. But none of the victims were Jewish. Yeah, Jack the Ripper doesn't really seem too political, does he? Too, no. Too. I yeah, mean, race. so I don't. And it's the only time that any reference is made 
to yeah. to some kind of ethnicity or race. You think he would hunt down like Slovakian Jewish prostitutes or something rather than just a skew of whatever's available. It it almost felt like he was just pulling people, like I said, at random into alleyways. Right. As they walked by. Right. And it's kind of what a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, police commissioner Charles Warren feared that the graffiti might spark anti-Semitic riots and ordered the writing washed away before the dawn. Um, now on. So there's a mutilated body and he's just like, let's get rid of the graffiti that says the Jews will be. <laughs> yeah. Because now at that point they're going, well, if the Jews are responsible for these killings that so we need to, you know, do some ethnic cleansing. And that's what he was afraid of. Yeah. So, I mean, he made the right, I think he made the right decision. That's kind of a, it doesn't feel like it was, had anything to do with Jack the Ripper, though. No, like, but I why? think. Why? But I think. Why would he do that? I think he realized regardless if it could be connected or not, the mob is going to do what mob does. And Yeah, he, but I'm going to get, I'm saying it seems like a coincidence. Oh, I do too. I, I don't, I, I never thought. It's so it's far like, removed from his MO. It's like, well, and why? How, and how would you, and that thing is like, you can't connect it. He didn't write it in blood. Yeah. It was written in chalk. You know, so I think even though the commissioner could go, well, we really can't connect it either way. But if it gets out that it is connected, even as a rumor, we're going to have riots. Yeah. So obviously you want to hide that kind of stuff. So yeah, Anything yeah. that promotes racial unrest, you want to hide. Right. So on November 9th, 1888, the disembodied body of Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying on the bed in a single room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court. This is the one I was talking about. Huh. And this is Dorset Street in Spitafields. And this was, and her body was discovered at 10 a.m. on Friday, of, the, of that Friday. Her face had been hacked beyond all recognition, her throat severed down to the spine, and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. Her uterus, kidneys, and one breast were placed beneath her head, and other viscera from her body placed beside her foot. About the bed and sections of her abdomen and thighs upon a bedside table. The heart was missing from the crime scene. Now, Ugh. so what we know is that Gosh. each of the canonical five, the they were the murders were perpetrated at night. It would either happen on or close to a weekend, and either at the end of the month or a week or you know so. What's weird is all of them were outside or on the sidewalk or in an alley, and this one was in a bedroom. So it's like he got his way into her house, right? Some speculate that she was an in-house prostitute, maybe. Well, what they what they speculated is that maybe she might have known th this particular. He might have been a regular or something. He might have been. Yeah. Um, and he might have known that. Hey, you know, I'm. People are looking for me now. People know what I'm up to. Maybe if I get her inside, I can do it and take my time. Do what I need to do. Do what I want to do. Get more yeah. fulfillment out of it. He um, could have been one of the. A lot of serial killers have this where they'll visit prostitutes, but yet they hate prostitutes. They do it because they're sexually frustrated right. with themselves. It's not anything to do, like, he doesn't actually hate the prostitutes. It's just an easy outlet for him to exact his, his hatred on, right? Right. He's really, I don't know. I mean, he could have been sexually frustrated. Who knows? He could have had some kind of issue like that. That right. caused him to lash out. That's right, possible. I mean, we have Viagra nowadays for that kind of thing, but uh, <laughs> they didn't have that back then. So I'm not going to go too much into the um, unconnected murders. Yeah. Um, Let's just say 
they're probably him. I think. I mean, yeah, there's a good possibility that he was interrupted. So, um, here are some of the letters. I told you we'd read some of them. So this is uh, some of the letters that was sent to um, the media and to um, the law enforcement. So there's the famous Dear Boss letter. There's three letters that are really famous. The From Hell one is the most famous. Dear Boss is second, and then uh, Saucy Jack. Saucy Jack? Mm -hmm. I like that. So dear that should have been his name. So the Dear Boss letter is this. Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about Leather Apron gave me real fits. I'm down on horrors, and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue, and I can't use it. Ranky red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. He sounds funny. Yeah, this guy is really playing. He kind of sounds like he, it's like the kind of guy is like, I'm here to do two things, chew bubble gum and kill whores. Yeah. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Now, <laughs> the leather apron, and I, and I want to touch on this real quick because we, because we, about the suspects. Yeah. So they named this guy Leather Apron because at one point they said that the killer, there was a guy that was uh, the morning of one of the, um, they found one of the bodies. There was a guy that had been seen early, like within minutes of the body being discovered, and it was a guy who worked at a butcher shop, and he was wearing a leather apron, and, of course, it was covered in blood. Yeah. Well, of course it's covered in blood. He works at a butcher shop. But uh, he was actually questioned by police. And they had no way to tell if it was human blood or animal blood. So, right. And yeah. so they were like, and he was like, no, I was on my way to work, and this is you know, a bloodstained apron because I work at the butcher shop. They didn't shop. have washing machines back then. Right. So, so. Especially leather. You don't wash leather. Yeah, he so. probably did his laundry once a year, you so, know. So, yeah, he... <laughs> he bought new clothes. There was no way to tie him, so let him go. Yeah. Um, the next... And this is... And this is... um. It, he does sound funny, though. He sounds like he... Like the typical, like, cheeky British kind of... Thinks he's a comedian kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But he, he's a creep and he's weird, but every once in a while he'll say something that's kind of funny. You know what I mean? That's him. Yeah. So he goes on to say, the next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send to the police officers just for jolly. Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the train name. That P one wasn't as funny. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. Can you imagine if he had a Facebook account? Like, he would get banned so fast. Oh, yeah. And this is almost like it is for him. Like, he's sending yeah. these letters, you know. And then he would just be front. He would be miserable to be around because all he would talk about is how he's in Facebook jail because of something. Oh, I was just talking about killing hookers. And now right. I'm in Facebook jail. Can right. you believe those blokes? So, Shut up, dude. Let's see. We'll do the Saucy Jackie one that, next. That second letter wasn't as funny as the first one. Well, that was all the same that was the same letter. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was for the boss letter. Okay. Eight out of ten on that letter. <laughs> it's so, a good rating. Saucy Jackie. I'm looking forward to this one. 
This letter was received on October 1st, 1888 at the Central News Agency. The handwriting is similar to that of the Dear Boss letter and makes direct reference to both this letter and the murders of the previous night. Those who believe it to be the genuine argue that the removal of Veto's ear was not taken away or mailed to the police, and the fact that the postcard mentions the double event before it was described by the press both testified to its authenticity. Is this the one that was thought to be faked? That was no, possible? not this one. Okay. Um, so, this is a very short letter, so this is what it says. I was not cotting, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow, a double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off. Ha, huh, not... The time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Jack the Ripper. So he's referencing the letter before saying, I got interrupted. I couldn't get the ear. Keep waiting. And he referenced that he, he did a double murder. Huh. So this per so he knew, I mean, this I mean, it's definitely him. Right. This wasn't like some journalist trying to, you know, but sell papers. This He made references to stuff that the public didn't know about. It's written in a shorthand style, almost like a note to a friend, like he is just messing with the cops. Right. Like, this is just fun. It's just a game. That's what it's, it seems, it's shorthand between two buddies, is yeah, what it feels like. Oh, yeah, he's definitely playing a game. Especially when he's like, wait till the next one, give me some time, I'll get back with you. He's not trying to be menacing, it, it feels like. It feels like he's like a mad hatter, you know? Right. So you have the from hell letter. And this one is like is the Is this most, the first one? Because um, you listed them from hell, and then that one, and then Saucy Jack. Let's see. Do, 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 do. No, this is not the first one. Okay. But this is the most famous one. This is the most famous one. So on October 16th, George Lust, the president of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, received a three-inch square cardboard box in his mail. Inside it was half a human kidney preserved in wine, along with the following letter. Excuse me. Medical reports carried out by Dr. Openshaw found the kidney to be very similar to the one removed from Catherine Eddowes, though his findings were inconclusive either way. The letter reads as follows. Now this, um, the letters I have here are taken from the website casebook.org. Um... From hell, Mr. Lusk, sir. Now, mind you, a lot of the, these are tr actual transcriptions, so the spelling is off on a lot of this. I send you half the kidney I took from one woman and preserved it for you. The other piece I fried and ate. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. That was more menacing. Mm-hmm. That one's a little more, yeah, serial killer type. Yeah, and it didn't have the cat and game part, and a lot, there was a lot was more some Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter crap right there. Mm -hmm. I ate her kidney with some, what was it? Some, a Chianti. And a nice Chianti and some fava, what, far, beans. fava beans. Yeah, that's what that felt like. So you, the next letter... Um, that's so that's probably why that's the most famous one because that was referenced in the movie and and movies have been made, right? That influence. So this is. Well, I wonder why they call it from hell. He didn't even say that at the very top. Oh, did he? Yeah, above Mister Lusk. Yeah, he, he said from hell. Oh, okay. Um, October 6, eighteen eighty eight. 
This letter was received by local papers believed to have been intended for either Israel Schwartz or Joseph Lond, both of whom believed to have witnessed the Ripper and gave descriptions of the man they saw to the police. Few researchers believe this letter to be real. Wait a minute. Israel Schwartz? Israel Schwartz. When the graffiti that said about the Jews? But I don't know if Is that, there a connection there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just playing. It could be. I'm just playing. All well, right. it was, this would have been after the Eddowes murder, so possibly. Yeah. Uh, now, they don't think this letter to be real. Um, okay. You, 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 though, yourself very clever... I reckon when you informed the police, but you made a mistake if you thought, if you thought, I think he keeps saying though as a thought, I didn't see you. Now I know you know me and I see your little game and I mean to finish you and send your ears to your wife. If you show this to the police or help them, if you do, I will finish you. It no use you're trying to get out of my way because I have you when you don't expect it and I keep my word as you soon see and rip you up. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. P.S. You see, I know your address. Okay, but he mentions the ears a lot. He made direct threats in that one, <clears throat> which is the other ones that he didn't. But he mentioned the ears a lot, and he does that P.S. thing a lot. Right. Right? So it kind of feels real. It could be. Why do they think it's fake? Because the ear thing... I think they would think... He's got an obsession with sending ears. Well, by this time, some of the letters were already made public and printed. Okay, so somebody could have just and, written that. And, and these are direct transcriptions. And based on what I could see, the spelling in this letter is a lot more accurate than in the, lot, in the From Hell letter. Really? Because you had a hell of a time getting through it just because now. Because there's no punctuation. Oh. Well, and that's the thing, too, is there's no punctuation in any of them. Yeah. In any of them. So maybe it, maybe it could be from him, maybe. So I don't think they really put too much importance on punctuation and grammar back then in the sl the slums of London. No, you know? possibly not. Like, you could have been smart and had bad handwriting and bad punctuation. It's like doctors. What, doctors always have bad handwriting, mm -hmm. right? Or bad spelling. Right. But they're smart. True. I don't know. So on this other letter, and a few researchers give uh, almost no credit to this one either, it says, Beware, I shall be at work on the first and second instruction in the minor minories at 12 midnight, and I give the authorities a good chance. But there is never a policeman near when I am at work. Yours, Jack the Ripper. Read that again. Sorry. Read it, read it slower. <clears throat> Sorry. No, it's all right. Beware, I shall be at work on the first and second in the minories at 12 midnight, and I give the authorities a good chance, but there's never a policeman near when I am at work. Yours, Jack the Ripper. So he's saying, hey, I'm going to be cutting people up in the alleyways. That's what the minor, minors mean, in the alleyways at this time, come and find me. He's mm -hmm. haunting them. But there's never a policeman near when I'm at work, which doesn't make sense because it seems like he's been interrupted a few times. Right? I don't think he's ever been interrupted by the police. I think he's always been interrupted Just a by passerbys. So, so he's almost he is daring them to catch him. That's yeah. exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not a sexual thing for him. I don't think it ever was. I don't think it ever was a sexual it's thing. It's like the Sherlock Holmes 
villains. They're always these scientific, like, puzzle. They just want to mess with Sherlock. They want to outsmart him, right? Mm-hmm. You see the Robert Downey movies? Yeah. The villains just want to outsmart him and make him look like an idiot. That's right. all they care about. That's what this feels like. Yeah, I, I and, and there's a couple of letters here that I don't really know if it'd be really connected or if it's just something, okay, at this point, some letters have been released, so it's yeah. possible that, you know, there's people that obviously know. Now, this one here um, says this. What fools the police are. I even give them the name of the street where I am living, Prince William Street. And according to this, Prince William Street was only yards from the main road between Agberth and the office of the Cotton Exchange. So maybe he's now trying to give them something more, but maybe it's a lead on. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just someone giving them a false direction and it has nothing to do with the Ripper. Man, it almost feels like the police aren't even trying that hard. See, I don't know. <clears throat> because it's prostitutes he's killing. Right. But I don't know if some of his letters, like, like the Prince William Street one, I don't, I don't necessarily believe to be him. You think it might be... Just like we have copycats or people who confess to murders they didn't commit today. That's what I think the Prince you William think, Street one is. You think it's people just having fun, like... Yeah, it's just like... Low lives with nothing better to do. Pretty much. Basically. Because, I mean, because I mean, if you're Jack the Ripper and you are the most notorious killer and you are the, on the lips of everyone in, in the East End. Yeah. Right? And you're... And this is your bread and butter. This yeah. is what you... Yeah, this is your release. Why would you give cops... A place to zero in. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, by the way, I live on this street. That'd be like the BTK killer going, I live over here. I mean, unless it is him and he's just doing it for fun. Maybe. Like, if he doesn't really live there, maybe he lives on the street over. But he says, I live here so he can watch out the window as they're befuddled and looking around. Like, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That that would be something in his wheelhouse, right? Could be. Now, this other letter here seems almost... But why would you even lead them... Sorry. No, why fine. would you even lead them close to your house, though? That doesn't make sense. Right. If you're trying not to get caught. That's really risky. Because then, you know, the mail carrier, right? Mm-hmm. The police could interview the mail carrier. Hey, do you remember this letter? Oh, yeah, I picked it up right over there in that mailbox. Right? <laughs> well, now they caught him. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. It's... Sorry for the bad accent. <laughs> I'm so, really into this topic. On October 29, 1888, there was a letter sent to Dr. Openshaw who performed a medical examination on a portion of kidney received by George Lusk in conjunction with the From Hell letter. Um, few researchers give this letter any credence. This poor guy's just getting... He's going out every morning to get the newspaper. He's got his coffee or tea, as they do. And he's just getting freaking kidneys and livers and stuff right. in the mail. He's like, I wish this would stop. Dude, send it to my business P.O. box. Don't send it to my home. <laughs> so this one here reads, old boss, you was right. It was the left kidney I was going to operate. Again, 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 close to you. Hospital? Close to your hospital. Maybe. I'll translate. Just so I was going to to drop my knife along the blooming throat. Them cusses of copper spoilt the game, but I guess I will be on the job again soon. Just we'll as he's going to slit his throat, a cop interrupted him, is what he's saying? So he said this time. Okay. Jack the Ripper, oh, 
have you seen the devil with this microscope microscope and scalpel looking at a kidney with a slide cocked up okay that doesn't i don't know what that means basically he's saying that he jack the ripper's the devil and he's okay. got a microscope and a scalpel looking at a kidney from the slide cocked up so he's got the side of the microscope. Yeah. So Jack the Ripper. I know what he means, but I I don't know why he would say that. Why? Yeah. Well, I I don't know. That one's weird too. He's a scientist. Could be. The guy is a doctor. I mean, it's evident he's a doctor. He has to have money. How is he affording a microscope or having access to one? Yeah, because back then they were hard to come by. Yeah, you're not very... just going to go buy a microscope one day. And people and witnesses said that some of the victims were seen with a very genteel-looking man. You know. Uh, of course, some of us also said he was shabbily dressed, but most of them describe him as being well-dressed. He was probably a high-class doctor, surgeon, dentist. Who knows? Some, right? There was a theory. He would it, visit the lower end, though, and hang with the prostitutes because he thought less of them and he could get away with it. There was a theory that Jack the Ripper was actually an aristocrat. Could have been. That got bored. You know? Could have been. Because he could. Because he and that's it. Because he could. I'm I'm an rich aristocrat. That makes sense. Why can't I? Who am I? You know, I'm above these prostitutes. I'm, I'm above the police. Yeah. You know, he sees himself as above the police. I mean, there's there's a lot there. Especially so, if you're a politician, you know, right. and you have disdain for the for the cops. A right. lot of them do. Mm -hmm. So, so this one here was on September. This was dated. It was actually yeah. Dated September 17th, uh, 1888. The authenticity of this is hotly debated, many believing it to be a recent hoax placed super surreptitiously in the records. Um, let's see. Dear boss, so now they say I am a Yid. Jewish. Okay. When they will learn, dear old boss. I thought it was gender neutral, a Yid. <laughs> it goes way back then, to the 1800s. Yes. I am a Z. Yid. <laughs> You and me know the truth, don't we? Lust can look forever. Hell never find me, but I am right under his nose all the time. I watch them looking for me, and it gives me fits. Ha ha, I love my work, and I shan't stop until I get buckled. And then even then, watch out for your old pal Jackie. Catch me if you can, Jack the Ripper. Sorry about the blood, still messy from the last one. What a pretty necklace I gave her. Do they think that's fake? It's debated. So... Some yeah. people believe it to be true. There's a lot in that. That His letters, the letters you've read, there's two classes of them. Mm -hmm. There's the ones that are like that one that are jovial, buddy-buddy, but they're on the nose. And then there's the more menacing ones who are very vague. They're not on the nose, but they're direct. Right. right. So it's like, which one is what? Is this guy bipolar? Like, what is going on here? Either this letter is fake or this one's fake, right? Right. They don't feel like they're coming from the same person. Yeah, it's... He doesn't even feel like... Like that one you just read, he doesn't even feel like he's mad at anybody. He just feels like he's... It feels like he's just, like you said, an aristocrat just having fun with the cops. Right. I don't know. Now, apparently... If there this was, was modern, he'd be caught instantly. Oh, yeah. So apparently there was a poem that oh, he sent to police. Now. I bet it's beautiful. It, they say that it, this letter was likely a hoax by a guy named Donald McCormick. But 
they don't know it to be true. An, a guy named <clears throat> Edgar Allan Joe wrote it. <laughs> a, a poem, he, his first poem. He's like, eh. so let's see. Call back to our last week episode. If you right. listen to it, check it out. So here's here's how the poem goes. Eight little whores with no hope of heaven. Gladstone may save one, but though there'll be seven. Seven little whores begging for a shilling. One stays in Hinnage Court, then there's a killing. Six little whores glad to be alive. One sidles up to Jack, then there are five. Four and whore rhyme aright, so do three in me. I'll set the town all right. Ere there are two, two little whores shivering with fright. Seek a cozy doorway in the middle of the night. Jack's knife flashes. Then there's but one, and the last one's the ripest for Jack's idea of fun. I like that poem. Well, well versed. Yeah, it was um, actually very well written. The prose was nice. The subject matter was decent. Now, um, the whole horse concept is what got me. The and here and this is a direct transcription. So all these letters and everything yeah. I've read were as they are, how, how they as how they as they were sent to these other individuals. The spelling on all this is, other than the word cozy, and it could just be in Old English, because uh, they have it C-O-S-Y instead of Z, uh, uh, Z. C-O-Z-Y. Yeah, C-O-S-Y. So it could just be the Old English uh, at that time, that Victorian way. I, uh, but um, every other word, though, is spelled precisely. Um, there well, are, I mean, you can't be dumb and write a poem like you just read. Right. right? So... Like, it, that takes talent to write a poem like that. So, to me, in my belief, I think the poem is not written by Jack the Ripper. You think he's dumb? No, but I. But if you look at the other letters and all the misspellings... Why would he just write a poem all of a sudden, is what you're saying? Why would it ever be... Why, okay, why would he spell have so many spelling errors in all of his letters, but yet the poem be oh. spot on? Yeah. That the just, poem kind of seems like a fan... A fanboy made it, maybe. Yeah, because I mean, it wasn't a bad poem, though. We'll say I'll say that. No, it had a really good flow. I mean, yeah. as someone who writes his own poetry from time to time, it was I, definitely demented. But demented still, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think the poem was from Jack. I think that this is someone else because, like I said, the spelling is one hundred percent correct. Where all the other letters had massive spelling and uh, uh, discrepancies. It's in like it. the, it's like the goth kids. Who like to wear the trench coats, especially back in like 1999, and they'd be like, "I'm," you know, they wear the trench coats. And they'd be like, "I'm a Satanist, man." Right. I'm Marilyn Manson. I'm the devil. It's all role playing to these people. And this guy writing the poem, pretending he's Jack the Ripper, it's a fun thing for him. Right. Basically, that's what it is. That's what I think. So you have because then because then he knows. Well, if I get caught. They're going to find out it's not really me. There's no jeopardy here. They right. can't, t- you know, I didn't do the murders, so there's no sense of, of uh, what do you call it? You know, you're not afraid to, of repercussions, basically. Right. And, um, and that's kind of like how I view is Jack the Ripper was playing games. To him, yeah, the murders course. were the release and the letters, the ones that I think were from him, was him playing a game, making sure that... Which ones do you think were from him, though? The menacing ones or the, the goofy, like, <clears throat> I'm having fun with you? I think, the, I think the more jovial 
the more jovial you ones think? for him. I do. They sound smarter too, don't they? They sound smarter, and he knew things because. Because the menacing ones just sound like an angry street bloke, like an angry gangster, now, right? Now, here's the thing, too, and because the ones that were more angry, uh-huh. I think they could also, I think they could be from, I think they could be both. They could be from him. Because, I mean, it just depends on maybe his mood. Because... Maybe he almost got caught doing one and he's frustrated. Because the one murder where he took half the kidney of the, took the, kidney of the woman sends half the kidney to the... To Lusk, I think it was Lusk, yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. They said it was a human kidney. I mean, the thing the thing that would made, obviously made, to where, yeah, we could tie this down, would have been if the letters named names of victims. Yeah. Then you could, oh, yeah, then this is definitely the, from the from He the probably killer. didn't even know their name. Oh, well, that's true, too. But, I mean, once it was reported, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I... But, but he probably rushed home right after he did it with blood still on his on his hands and true. wrote those letters. It's true. I I think I think both sets with the anger and then the other one with the with the cat and mouse mentality. Yeah. I think it just was a mood, you know. Um and he didn't know their names because I mean he was just randomly picking off hookers. That's true. He wasn't like what's your name? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's very possible, you know, when, when he's making the proposition, well, he, yeah, he could have caught a name. He could, but I mean, what are the chances of that? You right. know, or even remembering who well, knows, who knows? I, I, but I think it's very possible. Both sets of letters were his, I think it's yeah. because you have someone with that kind of psychotic mentality. It wouldn't be so far fetched to believe that you have someone with, you know, mood changes. I, Schizophrenia, yeah, almost could be, but very smart. I I agree. I mean, very precise. Not only book smart and poetically smart, but surgically able to do that and to be aware of your surroundings enough to where people don't even see it happen. Right, you're doing something so intricate. It's not hard. At least I don't I don't know this personally. Casey, I'm pretty sure you don't know this personally. It's not hard to just walk up and slit somebody's throat. Right. That's that's easy. What's hard to do is that in public on a busy city street with people around you. Right. And not having them scream for help or somebody see them or see you flee. And then to cut their organs out and display them and do all that stuff within five minutes. Right? Right. And to get away with it? He's got to be borderline genius. I I mean, I think... I think... I mean, he's definitely got a mind for it. And I think for him, he's... There's, there's got to be something deep-seated. But, I mean, the... The fact that he knows how to cut, what to cut, I, I there's got to be some level of um, expertise Medical, there. yeah. At least some kind of knowledge. It sounds like a aristocratic doctor with a power fetish. Right. Well, that's very possible, too. The power fetish is the teasing of the cops, the abuse of the prostitutes, and the killing of the prostitutes. It's a power fetish. Right. Just like BTK had, you right. know. I enjoy making you suffer, 
and sharing the news about it, writing the letter to the cop, explaining why I did it. That's fun for me. I think that's, I think that's a big part of it too, is I think that it was just a massive game for him. Um, and it might not have been sexual. He might not have even had sex with the prostitutes. Well, in the, in, I don't think they were necessarily. He might have lured them in with that. Like, right. hey, I'll pay you five bucks. Yeah, I don't think know? they were sexual. I, I agree with you there. I think what with him, it was a deep-seated hatred of women. Definitely yeah. sex workers, for sure. Yeah. And But most likely women. I, why would you just hate sex workers? You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, that's very specific for hatred. I agree. So there was... Like, most people... I, I don't want to be like... Most people don't... If you're racist, you don't just hate black people only. You right. hate all people that are different than you. Right. Right? If you, you're not just going to hate sex workers. You I'm know not, what I mean? Right. And I'm not saying that he was just hating sex workers. Right. I'm just saying you could definitely say it's definitely sex workers. Yes. But you I'm just trying to make sense of why he hates them. Like, w- what is this pattern here? You know? Why did he choose? A lot them? of times it's mother issues, but yeah, I mean, it could also be maybe he's been scorned uh, or not scorned, but he's been rejected by multiple lovers yeah. and, and, and he finds now, now women are detestable or maybe he was deeply in love with someone and he was cheated on and he hates women. Sex workers are an easy target right. that he can just pull into an alley and kill. Right. It's oh, that simple. For sure. Yeah. So there was obviously like a number of suspects. There was the guy that was the butcher. Um, there's actually a famous suspect, um, but it's there's no way to tie it, uh, which was H.H. H. Holmes. Oh, this, yeah. Um, he was a suspect. Their MOs are completely different, though. Right. I mean, I think... Their methods are completely different. Yeah, where H.H. H. Holmes, he was doing it for, well, I mean, when he had the the murder house. I mean, it was for the thrills and he had different ways yeah. of doing it. But I mean, leading up to that, it was, you know, for the money, he, Remember you know, mouse trap the game. Mm-hmm. That was H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah. Compared to surgeon simulator for, for <laughs> Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and that's right? the thing is some people say, well, you know, there's a different of MOs there, but some people say, well, it was suspected because there was a gap with H.H. H. Holmes in Chicago at the time and it wasn't, and some... Was he American? H- yeah. H- he wouldn't be writing letters in that British style like that. Do you think he would go that far to do that? To throw off his own trail? Sure. I, mean, I don't H- know. Because H.H. H. Holmes was brilliant, too. Yeah. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that it was him, but to play devil's advocate, it, it's, um, there was, he, it was known that he had left Chicago about the same time to go to London, England. Yeah. To, for something with business or something. He went to London around the time that the Whitechapel murders were taking place. Right. The guy had a little bit of money. It could, I mean, the guy was known to be intelligent. It's very possible, very possible like, that he was doing writing the letters in that way to throw them off to make them think because you don't want to come off as an American and you stick out like a sore thumb anyway. It's like those rich guys who just go to like Thailand to just F their way through the country. Yeah. Just just a sex party. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was him. He goes there just for just a murder party for a month, three months straight, right? Yeah, because, I mean, it was basically for, what, four or five months. 
Yeah. And then the murder stopped, but there were other killings after, but they can't really be tied to him because they're not done the same way. That's the thing. It's it's so far different than him. Right. You know, people have a pattern, mm-hmm. just like animals, and for him to change his pattern that much right. and, and be so good at it and not get caught. And those other murders after, from 1889 to 1891, uh-huh. there were rapes in some of those where some of the victims were actually raped yeah. or sexually um, abused in some way. Too. So um, they didn't really point toward... But like I said, now with H.H. H. Holmes... His murders in in Chicago were anyone, men, women, children. He didn't care. I think it wasn't it mostly people who didn't have a family in the country, like tourists. Who? H. H. Holmes. Well, there people was, who would not be missed there for was, a while. Um, in one case, he had it was a a female interest to his. Uh huh. Where she had two kids, and I think he murdered one, if not both. Because I remember hearing that he would write letters back to the family corresponding, mm-hmm. hey, we're here in New York, right. it's fun, but really he's got him in his basement dead. Yeah. You know, it was a financial thing too. Right, oh yeah, because he, I mean, his biggest thing was insurance fraud. Wouldn't they come and stay at his castle and he would kill them, take their money, correspond with their family? Because yeah, he would take it, because back then you could take a life insurance policy on almost anyone. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to be the person to do it or a spouse. Or you just, you know, chances are if they're coming here touring from Europe, they're from a rich family, they have money, they have a lot of cash on them. You didn't have debit cards back then. Right. Just take, they probably had a lot of cash on them. He takes that, you know. I mean, who knows? He he murdered anyone he could. I mean, if it's a purpose. We'll do him on an episode. He's interesting. But, um, like I said, there, and, but a lot of people don't think it was him because, just like you said, there was such a wide swing in the target and how he performed it. You would so, have to be so smart, I mean, beyond what we can fathom, to not get caught on that other. Flipping your one MO into another MO and not slipping up once during that. I mean, that, that's, I, and that's, that's why I say natural. I don't necessarily believe in it, but. Like I said, I, I thought I'd play devil's advocate. It's just fun to, to think about. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it can't be him. I just don't think it is. Um, like I said, there was a list of other suspects. Um, in one case, it was one of the ex-husbands of one of the deceased. But that didn't make any sense because, like, she was, like, the third or fourth one. I think it was the Eddowes. It was, like, her husband or ex-husband. But it's like, that doesn't make any sense because, I mean, I mean, why make her the fourth or the third or whatever? So it doesn't make any sense. There's there's murders all the time. Right. There's serial killers all the time. But there's a reason that certain ones are more prolific than other ones. Right? Right. And Jack the Ripper, I mean, can you think of a more famous, historic, true crime topic than Jack the Ripper? I mean, he's... Number one, as far as I'm concerned. As far as serial killer goes, he's the OG. Right. I mean, he is the man. I mean... And he's still unsolved. You know? The reason we know about other serial killers is because they're solved. We we caught them. They're dead or they're in prison. Jack the Ripper is still... Who knows, man? His name might not have even been Jack. I mean... 
and that was an, I mean, they, I think I, if I remember reading right, there was a, an article I'd read a long time ago that law enforcement never believed that his name was Jack because Just a pseudonym. Yeah, you know, it's like that would have been too obvious. Like, I'm Jack that lives on Willow Street. Like, why would he do that? Right. You know. They they were pretty aware that it was a fake name that he yeah. just gave himself, which that's where it came from. He gave himself the name. Um, Don't they say Jack? Jack is another name, like John, a common name, where prostitutes will just say he's a John, right? Right. I he's a John, which means he's a customer. Right. But I don't know what the connection is with Jack, other what, than just being a Is common. that not a term that he's, he's a Jack? I don't think so. No? Okay. Because I just figured they would, like a generic name that they would use, you know, to avoid. I think there was a good possibility. Because I mean, that's another thing, as I think that the killer was a bit of an egotist. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, well, what would be a good name for me? What would be a good name? What sounds good? And he's like, oh, Jack the Ripper, that sounds magnificent. I think I'll go with that. And I think it that's what he cool did. It is a cool name. And I think that's what he did is. Yeah. Because even he said, don't mind sharing the trade name. Yeah. So I think. You know, I I think that I mean that name was his name for sure. So I yeah I mean I as far as being his real name was it Jack or I don't think it was any of that. You think he had a moment where it's like I want to strike fear into the hearts of my enemies, just like Batman did. Right. It's like what bats? I hate bats. Batman. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> surgery. Uterus. Rip, Ripper, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> like I mean, he had that moment. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it just makes you think about the mind of someone like, because he's like, could I be Jackson the Terror? No. Yeah. No, that, that doesn't sound right. No. That's, I got a nickname, but I'm not going to say it on air. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's funny, though. So, I'll, yeah. say, I'll say it later. All right. But, um, as, <laughs> I can't say it on air. It's terrible. But uh, as far as like, do do I have someone who I personally suspect? No. I don't. Because there's no way to, that you could concretely, or even, there, there are people who are more educated in, in the topic than I who go, well, we think it's this guy. It's probably Lutz just mailing himself <laughs> organs. He's like, and this to myself. What way to throw the my fellow? Was he a cop? No, he was the oh. director or leader of the Whitechapel Vigilance well, what, Committee. What way to throw the cops off than to mail it to myself and act like somebody else mailed it? It was basically like um, he did it. Oh, uh, a neighborhood <laughs> watch pro program or something. It was him. It was Lud. It was um. No, I Lud. I think it was. I'm like you. I have I have an image of who he was, like a silhouette, mm -hmm. but it's just a silhouette. We all imagine the trench coat with the top hat and the cane and yeah, the like boots. Yeah, like like um, the the picture I put on the Facebook page. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, and it was that silhouette, and he was holding like an a knife. Ebenezer Scrooge kind of sort of yeah yeah. That that I mean, for that era. I mean, yeah, fits the era. But he was probably a wealthy, married family man who had a hatred for women. And went to the dregs of society and, and got his rocks off by doing that and just had a power play with the cops. Yeah. That's that's it fits, right? 
think so. The FBI even profiled him that way. Yeah, I mean, they, so. they, they did a profile because, I mean, everybody, I mean, here we are uh, 100 years later. Yeah. Over 100 years later. And everybody still talks about it. Everybody's still interested in it. Every so often you hear someone go, we think we've solved the crime. We think we've solved the case. Well, how? There's no way to solve it at this point. Because unless you found some letter of a guy keeping it in a lockbox of like, I so-and-so was Jack the Ripper. There's no forensics. I mean, it's not like you have DNA. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you tie that? So, And I mean, even then, it could be another copycat having fun. Right. Admitting to a crime he didn't commit. I mean, unless you had... You would basically have to be the person that walked down the street and caught him in the act at that very moment right. to catch him at this point, right? right. And that yeah. didn't happen, so... No. I don't think anyone's ever going to crack the code no. on who Jack the Ripper was. He, you know, got away with five murders for sure. And there's a possibility probably there, there's probably possibility probably there are more. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that the other Whitechapel murders were tied to him. No. But unless he just drastically changed. Unless he was trying something new out and figured, ah, oh, I don't like this. It's yeah, like a painting. You start it, and you're like, this sucks. Ugh, throw yeah, it away. He's like, you know what? These five killings are pretty vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Could you imagine? Like, that just... You know? I mean, look, like Ted Bundy's patterns, he got more and more vicious with his. Right. More sexually deviant with, with every one of them. Right. So, people, you know, serial killers evolve mm -hmm. just like... Uh, you know, anybody else. So, yeah, who knows? As far as my final thought on old Jack, Saucy Jackie. Yeah. I I still find the topic interesting, even after going over the information that I've had in the last week or so. It's very interesting. Um, I listen to podcast episodes from other podcasters about Jack the Ripper and Still find it interesting. Still like hearing new information when it when it does come out. But I'd probably have a beer with him. I mean, I'm a dude, so I'm pretty safe. Yeah, he'd be all right. I'd have a drink with him. Just he sounds like he'd probably be pretty funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, probably. Or he, or he's really full of himself to the point where it's obnoxious. I would say the second. I'd say he's yeah. like a massive egotist. Like he thinks he's outsmarting you every second he's talking. It's like shut up. Yeah, you're over here like, man, I was grilling the other day. Oh, you grill? I smoke. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. He's a one-upper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shut up, Jack. I mean, that's how I picture him. I mean, he's into himself. I mean, he gave himself the name. Yeah. What it, murderer gives himself a name? I mean, a coward, too, if you think about it. Like, any, any person that targets a specific group of people, women, who are defenseless, and could not defend themselves. He's killing them in night, at night like that. I mean, that's a true sign of a coward. Right. He does it because he, he's good at it. Well, yeah, he's good at it because they, they can't defend themselves. That's why he's good at it. I think. Um, and then he brags about it. Yeah, I don't. I, I think, like we've said, and, other, and I'm sure loads of other people have said, it comes with the hatred of women. And then. Yeah. And then everything that he would do after that was part of his game. Yeah. 
I want to prove to you that I'm better. I want to prove to you that I'm smarter. And here's, I'm going to lay it all on your doorstep. And if you can't figure it out from here, when I've given you clues, I've given you this, I've given you that, and you're, and you guys are just as stupid as I think you are. And it could have been one of those, I'm going to do this for two, three years for fun. And if they don't catch me by then, I'm just going to quit and go home. That could have been what it was. He quit and went home. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. It's interesting. I mean, I mean, like I said, unless someone finds a letter one day and they're like, yeah, it's like, or find something and it's got like keepsakes and like, I was Jack. They'll never find, they'll never figure yeah. it out. They're not going to find out who it was. Man. Not over. They would have done it by now. I agree. So, I don't know. Fun topic. We love true crime here. We don't love Jack the Ripper, but he, <laughs> he sounds like a pretty cool dude. I mean, yeah, the topic's, <laughs> topic's cool for sure. I mean, whoever wrote that poem had some talent. I'm going to say that. Oh, yeah, I agree. That was a good... It sounded like a like a weird like Marilyn Manson song, didn't it? It really did. We're all stars now in the dope show. <laughs> like that's what it sounded like. <laughs> right. I don't know. But anyway, so, thanks for uh, listening. Um, yeah, and as always, guys, I, I say this every week or at least every episode. Go to your podcast platform of choice. Like, follow, subscribe. Share with your friends and family. Uh, go to a Facebook page. We always uh, post the uh, episode up there. Share it to your pro, uh, to your feed so other people could see it. Tell other people who like this type of stuff. Uh, you know, we do aliens, we do UFOs, we do paranormal, true crime. Pretty much all the stuff that people call you weird for being into. Yeah. That's what we talk about. We do that. Yeah. Conspiracies. We do it all. So, guys, like, follow, subscribe, share, talk about it. You know, let other people know that we're here because without you, well, we don't have an audience, do we? So We don't. With that said, I hope you guys have a good rest of the uh, week. You better cut it weekend. out, Casey. I'm going to cut your ear off and send you your own ear in the mail. Oi. 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 Be a bloke. <laughs> Quit right out now. <laughs> all right, guys. You guys have a fantastic weekend. Oh, and, and all our British listeners, we love you. We want you to know that. And we, we actually you. have some British listeners. We huh? do. So, you guys have a good listen. weekend. Yep. <laughs>